0: Good evening, everyone. I'm Tim. I just want to echo the encouragement to come to the men's breakfast. Please do sign up and come along this Saturday. It's going to be a great time. I'm praying it's such a time of encouragement, particularly as we're going to hear from some guys in the church and what God has been doing in their lives as we encourage one another to uh, be following Jesus. And part of what uh, following Jesus is all about is talking about Jesus to other people. That's what this sermon series is about, communicating Him. And I wonder if you've ever given it a go, um, sharing your faith, talking to people about why you're a Christian. Uh, I went to Southampton University, and I was part of the CU, the Christian Union there, and one of the things that we did was text a toasty. You might have done it at your university as well. And text a toasty was quite simple. People would text in their order for a toasty, and their question for God. And the idea was that we'd go give them a toasty, and maybe there's a chance of a conversation happening there. Um, The toasty options were obviously really great. We had ham and cheese, and ham and cheese. Uh, so a real treat for people. And I didn't do lots of it, but I did do one night. And uh, we got a text that came in. It didn't actually have uh, the order for the, uh, sorry, it didn't have the question on it. It just said ham and cheese um, with the address. So I dutifully put a ham and cheese toasty in my rucksack, sidled to this guy. And it was a rainy November evening. And this quite tall guy with, in his pajamas opened the door. And he said, hi, do you have my toasty? And I said, yes, do you have your question for God? And he went, uh, he just sighed. And he went, um, what's God's favorite color? <laughs> and in that moment, I thought, hey, you know, I don't want to trouble this guy. He's in his pajamas. He's basically ready for bed. But he might go out later. This is university. Who knows? I'm just going to give him his toast and move on. And then I thought, no, I've come all this way. I'm going to try and answer the question what's God's favorite color? I can't remember what I said for two minutes. It's probably heresy. You know, <laughs> Don't check it now. You know, don't don't want don't no one wants the tape of that one. I'm in heaven. No idea what I said, but I ended it with a bit of a weird thing because I was sort of talking about well, you know, heaven and because was, there was something about God can see colours that we can't. I don't know. You know, He's God. There's more colours on the spectrum. I don't know. And anyway, I ended it by talking about and something about the gift of eternal life. A bit like I'm giving you this gift of a toasty, and he went, "Thanks, mate," and just <laughs> shut the door. And I cycled home, and I wondered to myself if that's what talking about Jesus to people was all about. You know, is it really about sort of denying people their food and forcing you, forcing them to listen to you? Well, I'm here to tell you tonight, thankfully, that it isn't about that. Tonight, we've just had that passage read, and we're going to go through it, and we're going to see the way that God calls us to share him and his good news with other people. We're doing three weeks in the Gospel of Luke, and we're, uh, the sermon series is called Sent, Because we see this moment where Jesus Christ sends out 72 of his followers. Last week, we considered the famous passages where Jesus looks out and he says, The harvest is plentiful, and the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And go, I'm sending you. And if you like, the core idea is that in the same way that God sent people then, so he wants to send us now. The harvest is still plentiful. There's still all these people more than we can imagine, I think, that are ready to come to God. And God is looking for people to do that kind of harvest work, to be workers in his harvest field. But here's our sort of question for tonight. What does that mean? What does it mean to be a worker for God in the way that Jesus describes it here? We had verses one to four last week. We've got five to 16 this week. We'll look up, we'll go on in the chapter next week. But tonight, what does it mean to be a worker for God, doing this kind of work that he sent people out to do, and he's calling us to do the same thing. Well, I think what you see when you go through the passage, the way that, the thing that comes through is that God is calling us to be his messengers. So God says, I'm looking for workers. And, but how would you describe that kind of work? Well, it's a bit like being a messenger. So let's go through the passage because we're going to see this idea really come clearly through. You could split it up into two halves. You could do five verses 5 to 11 of Jesus' instruction for his disciples as to what to do as they're going out on this mission. And then uh, 12 to 16 are his warning of judgment over the local towns. But just all throughout those verses are these kinds of words. let start in verse five. You can either read it in your Bible or it's gonna be on the screen. In verse five, Jesus' instruction is, when you enter a house, first say peace to this house. So the instructions to speak a blessing. In verse nine, he continues, heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. So again, it's an instruction about what to say. It's an explanation. Tell them what's going on when they've been healed. The kingdom of God has come near. Verse 10. Jesus continues. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, again, uh, instructions on what to speak. Say this. Even the dust of our feet, we wipe. Uh, even the dust of your town, we wipe from our feet, as a warning to you. And this, this idea of being messengers, you can see it because Jesus gives all these things about well, here's what to say. Possibly the core idea comes through in this instruction to tell people about the kingdom of God. Jesus used this phrase all throughout his ministry and he'd demonstrate the kingdom of God in his words and he'd proclaim the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is the place where God rules and reigns. It's both something that we see in part now that's come in the ministry of Jesus and is coming in full when God comes back. In other words, it's God breaking into human history in the person of Jesus Christ. God coming to save us. God coming to rescue us. God coming to bring his wholeness and his peace and his rule and his reign on earth and in us. So that's the message that's going out. You know, the kingdom of God, we might think of, you know, what's the gospel? What's the good news? We might think of verses like John 3.16, which I actually spoke about last week. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that all who believe believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's that kind of good news that we're talking about, but it's summed up in this wonderful proclamation. The kingdom of God, God's rule, God's reign, God himself has come. And God is looking for messengers who carry that kind of message. And then Jesus says in verse 16, whoever listens to you listens to me. Again, it's about talking, isn't it? He said, given all these instructions about what to say, and there's, he says, those who listen to you, to these things I've given you to say, they actually listen to me. Isn't that remarkable? Whoever rejects you rejects me, but whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. So Jesus is saying, you're my messengers, and there's this amazing thing going on, because he says, as you speak, people are hearing me speak. In the words that you use, people are hearing the words that I want to use. You're my messengers, says Jesus Christ. I wonder if that chimes with your experience of this thing about talking about God. Uh, the last chance I had to do a bit of this was when I got my hair cut. And I've spoken about getting my hair cut in my sermons before, because the same guy has cut my hair for eight years since I've moved to London. And we've talked about everything. And my haircuts with him generally took twice as long, because um, we just speak for such a long time. We talk about his life, talk about my life, talk about Jesus, talk about faith. And I texted him before Christmas and say, Hey, Mark, I'd like to book an appointment with you because it is one of those places where you book an appointment, and I'm not ashamed about it. You know, you get a lovely head massage and a great cup of tea with that, and you don't get that in a barbershop. Don't want to hear a word about it. So I texted him and said, Mark, I'd love to book a haircut with you. And he texted back and said, Tim, I'm so sorry. I've actually moved on. Um, I'm now in property development. And outwardly, I was happy for him. Congratulations, Mark. That's so good. And inwardly, I was seething. Mark, you betrayed me. Who's going to cut my hair now? And thankfully, he suggested one of his colleagues, Damien. And Damien was lovely, and we we were having a chat, and there he is. He's doing the haircut, and I'm like, yeah, he's cutting it. This is basically the same. Why was I worried? Why wouldn't I go to anyone else? But as the kind of conversations I had with Mark, I had that opportunity with Damien, because he asked me about what I did, and I was talking about being a vicar. And he said, oh, well, why do you do that then? And I'm I'm starting to use, I've really realized that talking about being a vicar, and I used to use it with um, going to church, that just is a very gentle way in, in terms of explaining what Christianity is all about. Because I said something like, you know, it's both like, it's this great thing, because it's like a vocation more than it's a job, and, you know, you're really serving people. And then I also said something like, and Jesus has really changed my life, and it's amazing to see him change other people's lives, and I think Jesus is really good news. And then he said, oh, great. So you're going on holiday, holiday anytime soon. I didn't feel like it was this particularly spiritual, holy moment. You know, Jesus is saying here, when you speak, I'm going to speak. Whoever listens to you, says Jesus, listens to me. Which is an amazing claim about the authority we carry and the way that we represent God. Sometimes we're going to feel like, You know, God's at work. And sometimes, especially as I just tried in a little way just to share a little bit of God, it didn't feel like he was there necessarily. We're God's messengers. God's looking for people who are going to speak about, proclaim, and share his good news, the coming of his kingdom, the coming of the king. And now to this, we might want to say, great, Tim, yep, love all that. We need to speak about God. But also, surely, people need to see the love of God They need to be shown his love, don't they? Don't actions speak louder than words anyway? Yeah, people do need to see the love of God. In fact, that's right here in this passage. Jesus says in verse nine, you can read with me. He's talking about as you travel around to these various towns and villages that I'm sending you out to, he says, Heal the sick who are there. Heal the sick who are there. Fascinating that he says heal the sick, not I'll heal the sick, or God will heal the sick, my father will heal the sick, you heal the sick. Again, There's a whole whole sermon you could preach there about the authority that we carry as believers of Jesus Christ. But in other words, he's saying, demonstrate my kingdom. Show the power and the mercy and the kindness of God as you set people free from demons and as you heal physical conditions in their bodies and minds. In other words, do what I've been doing, because this is the ministry of Jesus. Jesus would go about, you know, a third of all the gospels are taken up with the healing ministry of Jesus. He would go about, he'd be moved with compassion and he would heal the sick. He would lay on hands, he'd pray for them and they'd be made well. And what Jesus would do is would connect this healing thing with the kingdom of God. Because he would talk about, you know, if I've um, cast out a demon, the kingdom of God has come upon you. But what he did is he healed people, is he'd tell them why he did it. He'll tell them why he did it. So in the ministry of Jesus, we see this action, we see this love, especially shown in the power of God, We see that, but also Jesus speaks and he connects the two. You see, we can't just be those people who are very good neighbors. We spoke a bit about that last week. Just after this comes the parable of the Good Samaritan. We can't just be good neighbors. We can't just bless people and love people without telling them why we're doing it. If we do that, we're a bit like a signpost without any words on it. Coming up is a picture of a signpost, and um, I know what words were on it because I spent a little bit of time on Photoshop um, trying to get rid of them, and I think I did quite a good job. Um, It's a signpost from Surrey. And you can see, can't it, especially in those signs, it's quite old. They're pointing in various directions. They're pointing in various directions, but there's no words on them because I took them off. And this is a little bit like what we're like if we just are loving, blessing, serving people, but also not telling them what's going on, and why we're doing it, and what's motivating us, and about the love of God. When we do that, we're just like a signpost without pointing, actually showing where we're going. That's why Jesus says in verse 9, read with me, heal the sick who are there, and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. Heal the sick, bless them, serve them, love them in the power of the Holy Spirit, and then tell them why you're doing it. And tell them the message, tell them my message, that the kingdom of God is breaking into human history and that you can know the king yourself. And this healing that happened is just a foretaste. You see, the healing is like the signpost and the kingdom of God is like the writing on it. And we need to be those who bring those things together, who show in a very radical way the blessings of God, but also who tell people about the king. Jesus says to his followers, I'm looking for messengers This kind of work that I'm calling to you is like a message. And I want you to show it, but I also especially want you to proclaim it. The word that gets used for this, and I'm sure you've heard it before, often is evangelism. Evangelism. It's bringing together two Greek words. But it is a topic that can be pretty challenging. It can be challenging. Because we hear this thing about talking about Jesus Christ, and we know it's important, but it can bring up feelings of guilt because we think, ah, well, I, I haven't really been doing much of that recently. Or it could bring up feelings of inadequacy because we think, well, I know it's important, but I don't, really, I don't really feel equipped. I don't really know where to start or what to say. It can bring up feelings of, you know, it can make us feel like a bit of a failure. Because maybe we have tried, but it hasn't got very far. Or maybe we have prayed for people. I just think God's God's got a special blessing here tonight for people who have prayed for people for many, many years. There'll be some people here tonight. You've been praying for people to come into into the kingdom for many, many years. And I want to speak over you that you're not a failure. Trust the power of God and look to Him. And evangelism also can make us feel pressured, can't it? Because look, there's all these people. You know, you might be wandering around Clapham Common and you think, wow, there's all these people here or you're in your workplace or whatever context it is. And you're like, goodness me, where do I even start? with all these people. A little insight into how we might feel, uh, you might relate to this. Um, There was some evangelism done, excuse me, there was a survey done on evangelism by the Barna Research Group. And the Barna Research Group is probably the foremost Christian sociological research group that is. And they did um, this study uh, in line with Alpha USA. And they asked all sorts of questions of Christians and non-Christians. And um, let me just share some of their findings with you. Uh, they found that 9 out of 10 practicing Christians agree that part of their faith means being a witness for Jesus. That's 96%. So 96% think that part of what it is to be a Christian is to be a witness for Jesus Christ. And then 8 out of 10 strongly agree that the best thing that could ever happen to someone is for them to come to know Jesus. So there was options in the questions. They Uh, 8 out of 10, 79% strongly agreed that the best thing that could happen to people was that they were introduced to and came to know Jesus Christ for themselves. But then, get this, one quarter of those people also believe that it is wrong to share one's personal beliefs with someone of a different faith in the hopes that they will one day share the same faith. That was 27%. And then among millennials, of which this is mostly this kind of evening service, that number jumped up to 47%. So nearly basically half of the millennials surveyed in this said, yeah, the best thing that could ever happen to someone is that they meet Jesus, but also it's actually wrong to share your faith with someone. Can you see the conflict? Can you see the conflict that this kind of thing brings up? And what I really think this shows us is that you're believing a lie if you think that the world isn't evangelizing you And that we aren't being evangelized to all the time. People often use the phrase, you know, I don't want to shove Jesus or shove the Bible or whatever it is down people's throats. And I think that comes from a really good loving place because we don't want to be forceful to people. But if you like, the world, societies, our culture's message is being shoved down our throats in the sense that we take it on board all the time through so many different ways. Through our social media feeds and through the adverts we watch and through the things we read and through films and all these sorts of things. In other words, how to live, what is life all about, what's the meaning of it? And the reason I can see that in this kind of evidence is that we've taken, if for people to say that it's wrong to share your faith means that they've taken on the kind of perspective that says, great, you can have a personal faith, but just don't talk about it with anyone. Great, you do you, boo. You do Christianity, that is your thing. But don't share it. Goodness me, no. You can have your private little faith, that's great, but don't share it with anyone. And you see, Christians have taken that kind of evangelization, if you like, on board. They've started believing that. And even though they know that Jesus is the best thing of all time ever, somehow they've bought into the lie that actually telling people might be wrong. I wonder where you're at tonight. I wonder what you think about this. I wonder what your heart's, I wonder where your heart is at on this. We need to recapture that sense, don't we, that what we're talking about here, although it might feel like something that's uh, brings pressure on us or is scary or challenging we're talking about god transforming people's lives aren't we we're talking about sharing this amazing god who has done so much for us and longs to do the same thing in the hearts of so many people and in the lives of so many people we had a great moment at connect group on wednesday evening and we were talking about this and i wonder if we were just kind of beginning to feel some of the things that i've just mentioned in terms of feeling like this pressure or feeling like this guilt You know, we're talking about quite a heavy topic. We're talking about sharing Jesus. And then this wonderful thing happened when a member of our connect group just began to share from her own life. And it started with this great question, and she gave a different answer to the one I was sort of thinking. I asked the question um, from the Bible study notes, what's the most challenging thing about this passage? What's basically the most challenging thing about talking about Jesus and sharing him with other people? And she said, well, actually, the most challenging thing for me is I just can't stop doing it. I just can't stop doing it. I just can't stop talking about Jesus, because God has brought such a change about in her life. All she wants to do is tell people about that. She's like, I basically, I've bored my friends to death, and they, I've told them everything, and I just want to keep going. And then she just began to share a little bit of her story, and the difference that God had made, and the difference that certain people had made. Someone had come to visit her, and had written a letter to her, and someone who had um, invited her on Alpha and then someone on the Alpha course. And she's like, those things and that Alpha course and those people literally saved my life. And it took us away from, you know, big, weighty questions to suddenly just the, an amazing example of Jesus changing somebody's life, which really this is all about and God is invi- inviting us to do. That's what we're talking about here. God changing radically people's lives and just inviting us to come and play a little part in that with him. You never know what could happen as you talk about Jesus and just share and show the love of God. You never know. I heard a great story from someone in our church this week who told me that, and this might, we might share this on the men's day, so do come along because you'll hear more of this. But he just shared the story of helping someone at university who um, was having a very hard time and had ended up in the point of being suicidal. And he didn't really know what to do, but he helped him and he tried to bless him. And at some point he told him that he loved him and that God loved him. And he just shared a bit about Jesus and and helped him. And now thankfully that guy made that through that phase, but he said that he got a message years later from this guy saying, I've given my life to God and I've become a Christian. I just want to thank you for the role that you played then. You never know, do you? You never know how God might be at work, just using the conversations that we have and using the ways that we bless people. And using us as his messengers to bring his life and his hope and his transformation. We've got to recapture that sense. But also I think we have to, as we think about it, what it means to be a messenger of God and why on earth we do that. You know, what's the driving force and what's, what's going on and why does Jesus have such urgency here? You remember, he says, the harvest is plentiful, the work is a few. And then he says, don't delay, don't take bag or purse or sandals. Get on your way, don't greet anyone. Why? Well, I think he comes through in this warning that he gives. And it's heavy stuff, but it's the words of our Lord Jesus. He says in verse 10, and I'll read it all to you. When you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom, which is a a town mentioned in the Old Testament, than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida. These are towns on the shore of Galilee in northern um, Israel. Woe to you, he says, for if the miracles that are performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, another little town, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, he says, you'll go down to Hades. And then he says to his disciples, those followers, those 72, he says, whoever listens to you listens to me. But whoever rejects you, rejects me. And if you reject me, says Jesus Christ, you reject the one who sent me. You reject my father. Does this mean that if we invite someone to Alpha and they politely decline, that we pronounce judgment on them? No. But what this points us towards, and we have to come to terms with from the words of Jesus himself, that everyone is going to be judged. See that in verse 14? Jesus speaks about the judgment. There's going to come a time when everybody's life is going to come before God, and he will judge us on the basis of that. And then also he talks about repentance. He talks about repenting in sackcloth and ashes. And sackcloth and ashes was you change your clothes and you'd put ashes from afar on yourself. It's a way to signify outwardly the inward reality of repentance and saying sorry, which is what repentance is. And Jesus says, basically, for those who don't repent, for those who have rejected me, well, there's only two destinations. You're either going to be lifted up to heaven or you're going to go down to Hades. There's such urgency for people to hear about Jesus, isn't there? Isn't there such urgency for people to hear and respond and receive Jesus Christ? The message of God's amazing. Come and receive peace with Jesus Christ. Come and know the reason why you're here in the first place and what this is all about. Come and have your destiny totally changed. Come and have the hope of heaven. That's why when Jesus sends them out, he says, first go into a house and say, peace. Because that's the offer of God to us, peace, blessing. But at some point, as we think about this, there has to come a warning. I don't think everyone needs to hear it all the time in all our preaching. But at some point, people need to hear that they need to be forgiven of their sin. And that their sin is separating them from God. And that they need to be forgiven of that sin. That they need to be born again as Rico Tice spoke about a couple of weeks ago, people need to hear and respond to that message. And God even wants us to use us, God wants to use even us to share that kind of thing. He wants to use, people need to hear that message and he wants to use us to share that kind of message. Because he's calling people to himself. God isn't willing that any should perish, says the Bible, but that all should come to eternal life. God wants to use us to share that kind of message. Now, it does talk about the judgment of God there, doesn't it? But this doesn't mean that we go and become people who then judge others. I think we need to learn to see people in the way that Jesus described when he talked about people being like lost sheep. Jesus refers to going to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And being a lost sheep is something that's picked up in the rest of the New Testament. In in the book of Romans, it says that we all like sheep, have gone astray and I was reminded of this when I was on a walk um, oh, just over New Year's in South Devon and we're going to have some photos coming up and the first photo is just of the beautiful scenery that we're, we're walking on and it was a beautiful day and this is just this really remote part um, where I was fantasizing about buying a house. I was just like wow this is awesome and then if we just have the next photo and it might, be, might not be immediately obvious to you what's going on here but when I saw this scene and you'll see a reason why I thought this when I saw this scene, I thought, ah, this reminds me of kind of what I'm preaching on and what's coming up. And if ever there was a sign that I need to switch off on holiday, this might be it. Because there we were on a beautiful walk, and I'm thinking, ah, sermon illustration, perfect. Because there you are, you can't quite see it, but just there are two specks of white on the cliffside at the bottom there. Let's just zoom in, let's just have the next photo. There are two little sheep there who are far from their field. And they've managed to find their way onto a very steep bank, right by the breaking waves. And let's just have the next photo, just so we can see them even more up close. There they are. The one up top, when I think we first saw him, I think, oh, he might actually be dead, but he wasn't, thankfully. That was an amazing moment. There were other sheep that managed to do this. And one uh, guy who's walking on the path also had rescued one of them, which also sort of turned me on to, I was like, oh, you could talk about Jesus through that. When I saw this, I thought, ah, yeah, that's just like us, isn't it? We all, like sheep, have gone our own stray, says God's word. This is what we're like. We're like sheep who, without God, just wander off and do our own thing and go away from the safety of the place we're meant to be and wander off and put ourselves in danger with no way of coming back. That's the reality of every person who doesn't yet know Jesus Christ. They're lost. They're lost. And you might think that sounds like quite a pejorative thing to say of someone else. How can you say they're lost? That sounds a bit arrogant and superior. But just think of it like this. We see people as those who don't yet know the way home. They're just like these little sheep who have managed to get themselves in this predicament. Because that's what they're like and because that's what sin does to us. And then if we go to the next photo, you'll see. I don't know how well you're going to be able to see this. But you could see the path that they went through. And on those very, very sharp um, plants there I think they're thorns basically you can see that it's pulled off their fur as they've pushed their way for some reason out of the safety of their field and down to this steep cliff path that's the like the bit like the reality of sin we manage to hurt ourselves and lead others into doing the same thing and I want to encourage you tonight to see people not as under not to judge people that's God's job but to just be reminded that without Jesus we're lost And that we need to hear about him and we need to be shown the way home and we need to be told the way home. We all, like sheep, have gone astray, but the the Lord's word continues, but the Lord has laid on him the sin of us all. This is the thing. One danger is that basically we think, ah, that person's probably fine. We look at people's lives and say, actually, I don't think they've got any need for Jesus Christ. And we overlook the kind of hurt that might be underneath and the real reality of their life. And we overlook their need. If you want to know how to connect with someone, find their point of need. Find what's going on. Find where God can minister to them. So that's one thing we miss. And the other thing we miss is this idea that they're actually, they'd never be interested in becoming a Christian. They'd never be interested in becoming a Christian. You see, here's the thing. If you, if you think like that, you might stay thinking of people have lost and basically they have no chance of coming to God. But you see, because of the mercy of God and because of his grace and because of the amazing way that he works and the amazing way that he calls people to himself, no one is unredeemable. There is no one that can't come to the Lord because of his grace. There's no one, even though, yeah, we might be lost like those sheep who have wandered off and done our own thing, there is no one who is not redeemable. There'll be some people that you've been praying for and you would be like, there just seems to be no way that they could ever come to God. And you'll meet some people and you think, oh, I'd love to share God with you. You know, you'll meet some people and you're like, you'd make an amazing Christian. Well, then you meet some people are like, ah, there's no way you'd, meet, you'd want to meet Jesus. But Jesus is the reason that they were made in the first place. And God is just inviting us tonight to share him with them and see what happens. If you want to be practical about this, um, if you want my first practical tip on how to do this, here's, it's a blinder, here's the first tip, find some non-Christians. That's the first tip. You want to know how to talk about Jesus? Find some people who don't yet know him. And that might be initiating conversations. That might be um, those kind of things that you hear about where people meet people like my hairdresser. But often it's more to do with, you know, the people that are around us already. Initiating conversations and then investing in relationships. Invest in the lives of people around you. Look to radically bless and serve them. Invite them to things. And just share your life. Just share what God's done. One of the things Jesus talks about here is looking for people of peace. He says, look for people of peace. He says, when you go to a house and you bless the house, if that person receives you and welcomes you, stay there. And like sort of press into that moment. It's a great strategy. If you want to know where to start, start with people that just seem open, who welcome you, and start from there. Because Jesus says, when people welcome you, actually, they don't even realise it, but they're welcoming me. They're welcoming me, says Jesus. It's also great because he says in verse 7, stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you for the worker deserves his wages. And I'm really glad that I've got a God who cares about my belly as well as my soul. But he does say something interesting. Jesus says, if people don't listen to you, he says, wipe the dust of your feet and move on. Wipe the dust of your feet and move on. And I've I've heard this verse used to basically justify a very comfortable, cozy Christian life. I was at a conference for 18 to 25 year olds, and one fairly well-known speaker literally talked about, you know, if people don't want to hear it, that's fine. You can sort of let them go and just enjoy your life and enjoy a nice glass of wine and live the good life. And then the next speaker, to their credit, came up and shared the story of leading someone who'd been in prostitution, leading them to the Lord over the period of 10 years. And she just told about the determination that took and the perseverance that took. Sometimes there will be a time just to leave people onto God. If they don't want to listen, there will be a time when we need to let them go for now. But also, there's like a holy, loving perseverance that comes with sticking with people and showing them again and again and telling them again and again about what God's like and how he's interested in their life. Because God really is that good, isn't he? We've got to recapture this sense of the message we have is so good The message we have for people is so good. It's so good. Because God's so good and his love's amazing. And yeah, the world might evangelize us, but the message we have is greater and it's better. And there's nothing like as well as we do this, just seeing God move. Notice that when Jesus sends them out, he sends them with authority and he sends them in the power of the Holy Spirit. He sends them to heal the sick. And I just want to say this, God still heals the sick. He still wants to use us to pray for people and see them healed in the power of his name. God still does that. Again, that's like a whole sermon you could preach on that. Heal the sick, says Jesus. In other words, go in my power. And then he says this thing about authority. If they receive you, they receive me. And he talks about your peace. Bless people with your peace, not with my peace, which I find fascinating. He says, bless them with your peace, because we're representing Jesus in that moment. So he's sending them in power, and he's sending them in authority. And when you move in the power and authority of God, you begin to see God do, do stuff. And let me tell you, it's so exciting to see God doing things that you can do in your own strength. Uh, in 2018, I had a fateful Uber journey with a lovely guy called Shaquille. And I'd gone to Fulham to um, get my car remitied, and um, I to decided to get an Uber back because I didn't want to cycle. And Shakir was a great guy, and we just sort of chatted in that kind of way you normally do with your Uber drivers. Well, I do at least, um, you know, how their day was going and all that sort of thing. And he was a Muslim. And again, I shared that I was training to be a vicar at that point, and he started asking me about Jesus Christ. And we had just such a great conversation about the love of God and what it means for God to give himself for us. And we we can come to God through Jesus, and we don't have to earn our salvation and all these sorts of things. And at the end of it, I was, you know, sort of sent him on his way, gave him a five-star rating, hoped he was going to give me one too. And sort of thought, Lord, you know, Lord, bless Shaquille. And then a couple of weeks later, I got a great text from a friend, John, who was also training to be a vicar at my college and said, Tim, I've just come out of an Uber journey with a lovely guy called Shaquille. And we talked about God and it was amazing. And John told the story in a sermon a bit like this, and he was saying that he was so uninterested in talking to his Uber journey, he just felt like God prod him and just say, just ask him how his day's going. And he said, no, I don't want to do it, Lord. And he went back to his emails. And then he felt like God prompted again, just say, hey, just ask him how his day was. He ended up praying for him in the Uber as he was driving him on his way to this meeting that he had. And he said, God was just really blessing him, filling him with his peace, even as he's trying to negotiate busy central London traffic. So anyway, I heard that story and I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. Like God's on Shaquille's case, you know, wow. Well, I've told this story before, but I haven't told this bit because I got a message two months after that happened from another trainee vicar who was at St. Melitis who texted me and said, Tim, I've just had an Uber journey with a lovely guy called Shaquille. And then they wrote, what a clever strategy of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? They talked about God. And she shared about Jesus Christ again. Isn't that awesome? What are the chances of three people who not only happen to know each other, but also happen to be trained to be vicars at the same college? All of all the Uber journeys they could possibly get in London, they happen to get in the same car as this guy who I think is searching for God. And it's so obvious that God is searching for him. And I tell that story not to give any glory to me, but just to say when you play your part, you never know what God's going to do with it. And you never know how your little bit that you do as you just witness, as you just share, as you just encourage, as you bless. You never know what God's going to do that and how that might be part of a much bigger story of someone's life being totally transformed and turned around. We have such a good story to share. We have such a good story. I want to encourage you to share your own testimony, your own story with people. Even if, by the way, you grew up in a Christian home and you feel like it's pretty boring. I feel like mine's like that. I don't think anything dramatic happened. I mucked about at university, but like, but you know, basically I was always a Christian. But I found that as I've shared that, people go, wow, you gave your life to God when you were five. And again, I don't say that to bring any glory to me. That's just my story. Tell your story to people and then tell the story of Jesus Christ. Tell the story of God coming in search of us. Tell people the story of the kingdom of God breaking into human history. And you might find that you only get to have that kind of after many, many months of talking about someone about Jesus. You might only find that that happens after you've invited someone to Alpha or you've invited someone to church or whatever it is. But can I encourage you, can I urge you to play your part, to hear the call of God to all of us to say, I'm seeking people to seek the lost. I'm looking to send people to reach people. I'm looking to send you out to be my workers and I'm looking to send you out specifically to be my messengers because I want people to hear and know my love. Amen.